Welcome to Unlawyerly, where we talk about life, the pursuit of happiness, and some law. This is Ramin. It's time to get unlawyerly. So let's say you've come up with an idea. It's a pretty cool idea, unique idea. And you're starting to think about how you're going to do it. You're thinking of the execution, whether it's X, Y, and Z. And in that space, from when that idea originated to when you start thinking about how you're going to execute it, there's a question that you should ask. And sometimes you do it without even thinking about it. But it's a question that's relatively simple, but it's a difficult question and one that needs to be asked. What is that question? That question is why. Why did you come up with this idea? Why are you thinking about putting the time and the effort to execute it? Simple, straightforward, but if you really want to ask yourself truthfully, it's going to take time because you have to come up with honest answers. Think about any famous person that you know. It could even be someone who is not famous, but someone who's made an impact. You, know, you can think about someone who came up with an awesome invention, someone who came up with a, a store, a, a writer, a movie, an actor. It can be anyone, but they've had and made an impact. And sometimes even that idea outlived that person. There was longevity into it. There was life into it. The vast majority of the time, if not all the time, it's because that person knew his or her why. The purpose was greater than the person itself. And they asked the tough questions. Why am I doing this? Why does this idea, why does this product, whatever it may be, Why does it need to come to life? What is the reason behind it? And once that foundation is laid, because the why really is the foundation, getting to the how is much easier. Because you get to go past the various obstacles, the adversity, the things that are going to come up. Life is going to happen. And in order to move past it, that why needs to give you a solid foundation. Now, I remember in high school, there was a, a friend of mine, a girl who one day stopped me. And she said, Ramin, I know your secret. I stopped. I said, what, what secret do you know? And it's interesting because this girl had a crush on me, so I didn't know if that was a ploy for her to stop and talk to me, but it worked. I said, what secret? She looks at me and she says, Anything and everything that you've put your mind to up to this point, I know how you've done it. I said, okay, I I would like to know the secret as well. What is it that I've done? What is my secret? And she said, you know, all successful people do it. Looking back in retrospect, I wish I asked her, what is your definition of success? But she says, it's because you bring the idea to life in your mind. You live the reality of it. Before it even happens. And I know this because all the people who have succeeded in life, that's the exact same thing that they do. That is their secret. And you know what? She was right 
at least partly right. Anything and everything that I've put my mind to, whether it's something big or something small, I envision it in my mind. I see myself doing it. You know, I, I see myself giving that presentation. I see myself teaching. I see myself coming up with this business idea and bring a thought. I see myself getting that job. Anything that I've done in my life up to this point, I've lived it first in my mind and then brought it to life. But there was one thing that my friend missed in saying what was part of the secret. Now, whether when I was younger, if I knew it subconsciously or consciously was aware of it, all of these ideas or things that I created a vision of and brought to life in my mind first, I had a purpose behind it. I, I asked myself the why in one form or another, and it became ingrained within me as far as why I was doing it. And that is the reason why I was able to execute and perform and bring it to life the way that I had envisioned it. The why was already ingrained in my mind. And even with unlawyerly, there was plenty of times where I stopped production or I stopped the idea of it because I had to keep it going back to what is my reason for creating this series? What is my reason for wanting to share this information? You know, the question that we have for the first series is related to success and why I left big law and why I decided to retire at 36. And mind you, it was not an easy decision to make. It wasn't something that happened overnight. It was something that I was struggling with. And I say struggle with because it was something that I kept going back and forth with, just given how much time and effort it took for me to, to achieve. You know, when most people go to law school in the daytime, I went in the evenings when I worked full time. It was a four year program. You know, then it was the, the bar exam. The bar exam was not easy in itself. And then preparing for interviews. You know, so it was something, a lot of work that took for me to get this, you know, it was a dream job, this dream job of mine. So it wasn't something that happened overnight. So what was my why? In the first episode, I talked about. One of my friends, one of my close friends from when I was at UVA, and that night that I still remember, he asked me this profound question that just startled me, bugged me. It, it stopped me in my tracks. How do you define success? And for me, it was just one of those questions where I thought, is there any other way to define success? I'm sure if I were to pull the vast majority of you listening to this right now, we would have a lot of the same answers. There would be a lot of similarities to how do you define success? One, especially in the area that I grew up in where I work, the question you often get is, what, do you, what does that person do for a living? You know, that's also related to what education they had, how much money did they make. Also translates and goes into the material goods. What house, where did it live, what kind of car they have, so forth and so on. We'd have a lot of the same definitions of success. How famous are they? Have they done something out of the ordinary? And for me, the definition of success was very similar. Given my background, you know, which I had shared previously, I come from a background where I, we, my family came in as refugees. And I know that there are people listening to this podcast who are either first-generation immigrants, maybe refugees themselves. And one of the things where it pertains to 
people who are refugees, first generation immigrants for the most part, the idea and definition of success is tied to stability. Why stability? Well, look, our parents, we've seen this as children, struggled to come into a new world where they've left behind everything else that they knew, whether it was their jobs, their businesses, their homes, everything they had they worked so hard toward. And they come into this country trying to rebuild their lives. And stability is important to definition of success. Stability translates to success because it provides them what they had lost. For my family, it was no different. As I had mentioned, my family, we came from Afghanistan at an early age. I was relatively young. We came in and I knew that we were rebuilding our lives. And for the vast majority of us, you know, when it comes to our parents, that's often a joke within our communities, but top three careers for children of immigrants, first generation, may not necessarily be tied to this, but I can speak on it because I have experience. It's being a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. And we laugh about it half-heartedly, but it's the truth. Those jobs are related to stability, and that often translates into you know, material well-being, financial stability, high education. And I recall there was this one time at a family dinner. Uh, my parents were there. We had some family friends. And I told them, I really want to be a wrestler because at that point I watched wrestling religiously. I kind of still do. Uh, my wife still laughs about it, but I got her hooked on it as well. And for me, and I'm talking about wrestling like WWE, uh, I told them I want to be a wrestler. And I even had a stage name. For those of you who are familiar with uh, Farsi or Afghan culture, my name was the Buskash, which was from the Buskashi game. And my family, friends, and my, my parents, they laughed and we all joked about it. But I think deep down inside, we all knew that that was not going to be the case. And it wasn't anything that my parents were putting pressure to say, no, you can't do this. But they wanted me to take advantage of the opportunities that were before me and find that stability that they had lost to make sure that I was doing well for myself. And it translated to the education that one person has. You know, For me, I got my bachelor's, but I didn't stop there. I got my master's and I got my juris doctorate. From there, it will go into, well, what type of job are you able to have? What type of money that comes from? And these things aren't bad. And it's not that my parents, for example, wanted anything bad from me or anybody else's parents want. Every parent, being a parent myself, we want the best for our children. And we want to make sure that they don't go through some of the hardships and obstacles and adversity that we ourselves have faced. Even though for the most part, those are the things that make us strong individuals. But one thing that I, I realized was, as I was moving past the different degrees that I got, the careers, the businesses that I had started, I realized I was unsatisfied, wasn't happy with it. Yes, I was grateful for it. Yes, I had ephemeral happiness. You know, when I passed that exam, when I got that job, I was extremely excited about it. But it was temporary. And so what I realized was I wanted to do more. I wanted to keep elevating the bar to be able to cling on to that short-term happiness to get more short-term happiness because that was all part of my definition of success. 
And I remember there's a song by Lupe Fiasco. In one part of the song, there's a lyric that goes along the lines of this. You will starve but never die in the world of hungry ghosts. You will starve but never die in the world of hungry ghosts. And it just resonated with me because I was that hungry ghost. No matter what I got, no matter what I achieved, no matter how much better I did it than the other person, I was still a hungry ghost. I was still starving. I was still wanting more. And again, it's fine to have more. But when it comes to value systems, one thing that I was starting to learn a little bit later on was my value system wasn't necessarily a constant. And value systems need to be constant in your life. It's like the sun in our solar system. The sun is in the center and all the other planets orbit around it. And things move in and out of orbit. But the sun remains constant. And so too is the value system. The value system that we create has to stay put when there are external changes. It's your compass that always will point north for you. And so for me, you know, as I was getting these degrees, uh, as I was moving on in my life, and especially more so for me, it was related to the recognition and the prestige of the different titles, the different things that I was able to do, the different balls that I was juggling, as I'd mentioned in the first episode. As these things were, were happening, I just realized that I needed to do more. And so I did more. As I'd mentioned, for example, when I took the CPA exam, instead of doing it in a year, I did it in three months because I said, I can do this. I can do this better than the average person. Or when, for example, when I was studying for the bar, I was a Virginia resident. I started studying for the Virginia bar, but then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go for the California bar. For those of you lawyers who are listening, this was around the time of the California bar was a three-part exam. It was a three-day exam before they changed it to two days. And the reason why I had done it, most people often in interviews go, why the California bar? Were you a resident of California? No. Did you have any ties to California? Not necessarily. But the California bar is a difficult exam. All bars are difficult, but this one had a 36 to 40% pass rate. It was a three-day exam. And so for me, I said, you know what? I'm going to take this because I'm going to prove to myself and prove to others that I can do this and be successful at it. And so I stopped studying for the Virginia bar and I took the California bar first and I passed. And I remember getting the letter from the uh, California state bar that said, you've passed. And I framed it because for me, it was such a huge accomplishment. It was a testament to my success in life. And sure enough, six months later, I also took the Virginia bar. And this was when I was working in big law. I decided, you know what? Why not take the Virginia bar as well? I've already prepared for it. Let me just study a little bit more. Let me do it. And I did. I passed. I got the Virginia bar. And so often when I would tell people, it would be a matter of, well, you did Virginia and California bar. And it was all tied to my idea and view of success. So what changed? What was it about my value system? And when did this happen that my value system started to change where I had more of a constant in my life for my different values? Well, 
during my first year of law school, and this was during the time when, again, I was going as an evening student, I was working full time, I was also an adjunct professor, I had my own business, and my wife and I, we had our first son. Now, I can tell you all, yes, when I had my son, my life changed and I wanted to do things differently. But you know what? I'd be lying to you if I said that. Yes, my life did change. I was extremely happy to be a father. But if anything, it intensified my desire to be successful, to do more, to elevate my status, to elevate my the titles that I had uh, professionally, to continue to do more. And for a period of time, I think I got away with telling myself that, that, you know, me being busy with all these other things was okay because, you know, I was continuing to provide. I was reaching my potential. I had all these opportunities. I didn't want to let go of it. You know, why give up on those just because I have a child? You know, I can still be there for him. And I was, you know, especially during weekends and evenings, I would carve time out. But I realized something. And the thing that I realized is that every person has a very finite amount of this. No matter how many different ways you, you, you carve it, you split it, everyone has 24 hours in a day. And that 24 hours is divided between sleep, eating, working, time for family, time for friends, time for religious obligations, time for yourself. And even if we think about it a little bit broadly, we have a finite time on this earth. If we're able to reach what life expectancies now in the 70s, maybe 80s, if we're even able to reach that point in time, it's still finite. And so I just realized that no matter how I split my time up, I was taking time from something and allocating it to another thing. But for what? I remember that uh, when I had graduated uh, from law school, and it was such a happy moment for my family and I especially for my wife and I, because she was a big part of this journey as well, especially for law school. I looked at her and I jokingly said, half jokingly, I should say, I said, you know what, now that law school is done, I think I want to do culinary school. And the look on her face was just very still and serious. She said, Ramin, we're done with, with school. And I could not blame her because it took up a lot of time. That four years, and we initially had, were married, and you know, four years of it went with law school. It was a lot of time to dedicate to full time work, full time school, and then when we had our son, you know, being a parent is not an easy job. It's not, and there is no playbook. It's really trial and error, and that's a reason why, you know, I really empathize. And I want to say working moms, but working dads too. Dads are just as present. In their children's lives, because it is a difficult job, especially when you are thinking about your end product or these children that you are putting out into the, the community, the future citizens, the future leaders, you know, whatever the case may be. These are products that you invest time and effort in, and it, it is 
it's such a big deal. And I know it's not an easy job. For me, I knew that I wanted to be more active, more active in my children's life. And I think a big part of it had to do with the fact that I, myself growing up, was in a position where my parents could not always be there, not because they didn't want to, but because they didn't always have a choice. My father, especially, and as I became a parent, and as I got older, we had these talks about my childhood and about how, you know, I felt that I, I didn't have him present. And I appreciated more so that he was stuck in between two worlds because he was trying to salvage the life that we had in Afghanistan while still trying to give us a life here. And then it was not by choice that he didn't want to, but because he just couldn't. His hands were, were tied. He did the best that he could. And as parents, we all do the best that we can. So for me, I realized I needed to be more active. And right there, one big value of my value system was starting to come more in the forefront. And there was this idea of, of family, this idea of being more active, being more present and taking that 24 hour time block and splitting it or trying to split it a little bit more appropriately to these other things that weren't originally part of this idea or definition of success. You all listening to this, you may be asking now, well, for me, why not just give up on some of those other things? And the thing I'll say is when something is so ingrained in a fabric of you, especially when you start bringing the ego into the mix of things, you can't just snap your fingers and change it overnight. For me, these opportunities that were in front of me, you know, whether it was working as an adjunct, whether it was having my own business, whether it was, you know, working in big law, all these other things that took up my time, I couldn't just start taking them away. It wasn't easy because it was so ingrained within me that if I had, I would realize that I'm losing parts of myself to define who I am. And so for me, it wasn't that I could just snap my fingers and start taking those things and doing away with them, start allocating more time. But I slowly start to realize that these things that were part of my definition of success we're starting to change. And especially with the first one, family, being in my forefront as a core part of my value system, I realized that there were some things that I needed to change. And for me, one thing I've realized about change is that it's not something that can happen overnight. Those changes that happen overnight are the ones that are not going to work typically. It's like, for example, when you decide, hey, I'm going to work out, especially at the beginning of the year, we come up with these resolutions. I'm going to work out and I'm going to do it overnight. So you start hitting the gym hard. And I'm an active member of the gym. Gym is a big part of my life. You can't do it overnight. So those people who have New Year's resolutions, most often I've seen the gym be very busy in the beginning of the year. After two months, it slows down and goes back to normal because those types of changes were overnight changes. And there was no why, and a core why behind it. So I've realized that change needs to happen gradually, needs to happen over time. And this was not going to be anything different. And I think this is a good place for us to stop this part one. Because in part two, we're going to go a little bit more into 
to continue to talk about value systems. We already know my first one that was formed was related to family, being more active, being more present and available to my son, my wife, my other family members. Next time, we're going to go into a further discussion of the value system and the other things that went into it and also talk a little bit more about the big law life and how that all ties into it. But I will leave you all with one thing. These days, we're fed with this notion and this idea that you can have it all. You can have the career. You can have the family. You can have the job. You can have X, Y, and Z, whatever the case may be. You want to know something? The honest truth? It's a lie. It's a big, fat lie. Now, you may be thinking or saying, Ramin, this is just your own experience. This is what you think. That's true. But I guarantee that if you ask anyone, especially if you look at it and you think that they have it all, and they answer honestly and truthfully, especially if you have a relationship with them and they're willing to do that, they will tell you that you can't have it all. There's going to be a sacrifice somewhere. You have to take time. You have to take effort from one thing to allocate it to somewhere else. That's just the way that life works. And while, yes, for a period of time, you can try to have and make everything work, but parts of the equation are eventually going to change. And so food for thought, this whole idea of us having it all and doing everything and being everything for everyone, not going to happen. That's not the way that the world works. Yes, it's my opinion. But again, survey, talk to people that you think, and they'll tell you the types of sacrifices that they've had to make to be able to get to where they are or from an outsider perspective, and it looks like they do. We'll talk next time. As always, I appreciate you and thank you for listening to Unlawyerly. My name is Ramin Mohammed. You can catch me on Instagram at Unlawyerly with Ramin, unlawyerly.com on our website. Of course, please feel free to subscribe to our YouTube. That's it for today. My name is Ramin again, and it's been Unlawyerly. Thank you.